So we saw in our scripture reading that Miss Barb read for us just now, uh, the prophet Nathan's prophecy to King David uh, that God would raise up David's offspring to establish a kingdom and throne that would last forever. Yeah? This was the same prophet, the only prophet, mind you, uh, by the way, who had the courage to stand up to King David and confront him when David stole another man's wife and had the husband murdered. So some context for you there. And just in case you think God can't use you because of your past, perhaps. And during our Advent candle reading, we saw the angel Gabriel reveal to the Virgin Mary that she would conceive a child to be called Jesus, to whom God would give the throne of his ancestor, David. That his kingdom would have no end, that this child would be the fulfillment of Nathan's prophecy in 2 Samuel 7. Amen? We follow? So after David receives this prophecy of God's intentions, David retreats, sits before God, and he prays, as you might expect. In this prayer, David tells God he will continue to trust in the vision he has heard from the Lord, saying this, And now, O Lord God, as for the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, confirm it forever. Do as you have promised. And Mary, again, after hearing of God's intentions, says what? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. What beautiful examples of faith. I often talk about people think they know what faith means, but don't. This is faith. To have faith is to hear and to obey. Faith, again, is not merely mental assent. It's not just to agree that something is true, though that is part of it, but it's belief in action. I used to, as an illustration for, for youth kids, I used to say, hey, do you, do you have faith that that chair will hold you up? Well, yeah, okay, well, how would you show me that? Well, I would sit on it. Right, you prove your faith in action, right? To have faith is to hear and to obey. There's two major steps in the tasks of faith. The first is to hear and understand God's call, and the second is to place our mind, hearts, and bodies, our whole selves, at the service of this call from God. Again, to hear and to obey. To place yourself under his direction as his apprentice. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead, according to James 2.17. And by my works, I will show you my faith. In the final paragraph of Paul's letter to the Romans, he says this. It's Romans 16.25-27. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith 
to the only wise God, to Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You see that? God is able to strengthen you to bring about what? The obedience of faith. Again, faith is synonymous with obedience, to hear and to obey. It's the same thing Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 27 or 28, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Advent, the coming, the arrival, for unto us a child is born, who is the very presence and being of this non-ethnic kingdom of God, in which every nation, tribe, and tongue will be a part. It's an invitation to participate in a community which in the words of one of my favorite thinkers, Dallas Willard, obliterates all other identities we possess because according to Colossians 3, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. This kingdom community reality does not remove our identities, it enhances them, and it does supersede them. It matters more. Our whole lives are to be about something else entirely from this point forward. Yeah? Faith to hear and to obey. To become a disciple of Jesus is to give up your life as you have understood it up to this point. And without this giving up, you cannot be his disciple. I'm going to say it again as plainly as possible. I don't want you to miss this. There is no being a Christian apart from being a disciple. Even more plainly, you cannot be a Christian without giving up on your ideas of what a successful life might look like and devoting yourself to learning to do what Jesus said to do. That sounds awfully exclusive, Pastor Zach. I thought you were kind of inclusive. No, it's for everyone. This is faith, to hear and to obey. Like David and Mary, we have learned God's intention for us, and we must now place our whole selves at the service of this call from God. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. This is not condemnation toward you. It's not even a slap on the wrist. If you're here this morning, you are already on the right track. Seriously, the simple fact that you are here says so much more to me than you realize. What this is, is an encouragement, an invitation, if you will, to take the next step, and the next one, and the next one, and then the one after that, and the one after that, for the rest of your life. Because this is what it means to be a disciple of our King Jesus. This is the reality made possible by Emmanuel, God with us. The psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 8 says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming to hear and to obey. You're probably all familiar with the passage of uh, Jesus speaking in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, listen, 
I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. You probably often heard this passage used as like an evangelistic, yeah? Like, hey, accept Jesus into your heart kind of a thing, right? But guess what? Jesus is talking to Christians in this passage. This is to you. It's not to the non-believer. This is to you. Earlier in the same passage, verses 2 through 3, it says this, Wake up and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death, for I have not found your works. There's that again, works, perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Wake up. Hear, obey. This is what the Lord is calling us to now and forever. Wake up, hear, obey. And there's nothing special that you need to do to prepare yourself for this. It's, it's just simple. Just wake up, stumble over to the door exactly as you are, and answer it. For some of you, you're not there yet. You aren't finished. You haven't arrived. None of us have. Like I said last week, maybe it's time to revisit some of those basics. And I don't know, maybe you really do have those basics mastered. Maybe you really have put on the character of Christ. Maybe you're at least further along than most of us in this journey towards Christ-likeness. Excellent. I've got work for you. What are you doing? Where are you? Maybe it's time for you to begin investing in the next generation of believers, of Christians, of this community. You don't get to check out at Grace Church. And the fact that you may think that you want to means that you are not as far along as you may think you are. That's not how this works. If you think you can't do that, you can't disciple or mentor, then again, maybe we need to go back to those basics again. I often hear people say things like, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do with my life. I know that one well. Well, this is it right here. To hear and to obey, to be a disciple and to make disciples. Whatever else may be added to this in your life is just that, added. Again, the core identity is that of a Christ follower. Anything else added will show itself in time when you are ready to receive it. So as we come to the end of this Advent season, my hope is that we will all use this time to reset, awaken to what God is doing for us and in us and through us and around us in this present moment and then stay awake by devoting ourselves to this call. How do we do it? That, my friends, will take a lot more than a sermon. It will take a lot more than many, many, many sermons. It will take a lot more than every sermon you ever hear in your life. I don't know if I have time for that. Well, (laughs) 
maybe you could take a, a simple first step. Yeah, let's go have coffee. If I've piqued your interest, if you're interested, if you want to take the next step, let's go have coffee. It's as simple as that. Maybe you don't have time for that right now because I know it's Christmas season, it's chaos, it's hectic. Either way, I have something more that I'm excited to share with you next week. Another invitation, if you will, on the first Sunday of Christmas. All right, let's pray. Father God, stir up your power and come among us. We need you, God. We confess before you and one another that we know we cannot do this alone. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy to run this race that's set before us. Here we are, Lord. Let it be with us according to your word. Finally, my friends, the blessing that we've come to end our services with. Feel free to recite this along with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May you find your joy in the face of God now and forever. 